What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside DC Universe Online's SJ Mueller. Yay! Hello. Hello, how are you? I am good. I'm are excited you, to be here. Are you really? Yes. Because you were talking about energy levels being all over and the coffee and everything else. Yes. Uh, for people who don't know me, this is what I live off of. Yeah. So I think you're you're in good company here. Kind of funny. Uh, before we go any further, important to point out, ladies and gentlemen, that yesterday, of course, the computer died. Hard drive exploded. We had to do this. Kevin pulled it together. Yay, Kevin. Uh, this morning, Barrett walked in here and the soundboard had exploded. Uh, Kevin is had a what was Kevin had the morning off. Is that what it was originally? He was coming in late. So uh, Kevin ran in er earlier and now is taking apart the soundboard. We are late because of that on Twitch. And there's a possibility your audio might not be the quality we usually try to give you on Kind of Funny. Barrett's over there riding the ones and twos or whatever the hell. <laughs> I don't even know what they're doing over there anymore. There's wires all over the floor, but they made it happen. Good job, Barrett. Good job, Kevin. Again, round of applause to you guys for making this happen. SJ, for people who haven't been obsessed with DC Universe Online like myself, what, what, what is your role on the project? I'm the creative director of DC Universe Online. So no big deal. I had to get that whole name of the game in there. Yeah? So my PR person is happy. Yeah, Joy's like but. that. I understand. No, totally. <laughs> uh, so what does that mean? Um, it means um, that I basically kind of drive, drive the team forward, or, okay. or as I like to say, I, I lead Okay. The team forward. Yeah. Driving just doesn't sound like a nice, you're just, nice way to you're, motivate you're, people. You're sherping them. You're walking with your giant <laughs> stick, much. right? This is where DC is going. And um, alongside the executive producer Leah Bowers, we essentially um, we identify what the because the game's been out for several years, quite a while. But I like to remind people that it's it's not like. Uh, it's the same game that it was years ago. And we'll oh. talk about that later today. Yeah. But the idea is it's almost like new game updates, you know, multiple times of a year. Yeah. And somebody has to come up with those ideas and work with DC to see what's right for the game. And that's what we do. So No pressure. No big deal. No, it's just. And that's the craziest thing about it is that here I am. What feels like a decade later, still talking about DC Universe Online, because like, and I don't get me wrong, yeah, I'm happy about that. You know how much I love the game. Me too. I have a job still. So. <laughs> a rarity in the video game industry oh. to be around this long, working on the same game, doing That's the same true. thing. Uh, but I mean, huge stuff for you. Obviously, you guys launched on Switch this year, just a yeah. few, couple months ago, right? How's that been? Uh, it's incredibly exciting. Yeah. Like I like say, I have DCO in my backpack right now. It's yeah. really yeah, fun yeah, yeah. to be able to play it. Like we, me and a lot of the devs, we play while we're traveling. Yeah. Um, that didn't used to be a thing unless you had like a really sick laptop setup. Sure. At the yeah, airport. yeah. And those things are always. So um, and it was really great to reach the Nintendo audience. Like, there's a lot of people who are like, "What is this game? I've never heard of it." Wait, what? I can make a superhero? That's and awesome. it's free to play. And it's just like all you got to do is download it, essentially, yeah. and you're right there with Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. And then what? Just this week is it, or just last week you guys released Metal? Last week, uh, we released Metal Part One because uh, it's it's an episode. That's what we call our DLC content packs right. with the with maps and all sorts of stuff like that. New content update, uh, and that's the first one that that our uh, Switch players have ever seen. Nice. So it's, it's at least from brand new at launch because everything's on the yeah, Switch right. version. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Every I got a PR person. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> everything's on there, but this is the first time they've been introduced to something new. Yeah. While they've been playing. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Uh, we're going to hopefully knock on wood with the soundboard exploding, play some of that later, and do some of that stuff yeah. later. Uh, but later in this episode, we are going to talk about MMOs because today we're talking about how E3 2020 might be crazy different, Apple Arcade might be crazy awesome, and you might be crazy if you're working on an MMO in 2019. We'll talk about all that and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. 
with your questions, comments, concerns, and everything under the video game sun. Then tune in to watch us record the show live when it works on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you. There's a new Oreo ration out today. It's the most stuff Oreo. It breaks my brain when I make a most stuff double stuff Oreo, and it was disgusting. You can check it out, youtube.com slash kindoffunny. Thank you to our Patreon producers, patreon.com, re-retro games, blackjack, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today we're brought to you by kindoffunny.com slash tournament, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. So one of the soundboard things being broken means nobody can hear you. Yeah, no oh, okay, okay. Uh, five items on the rope report. Did it pick it up? Can you hear it? Did you, could you hear yourself in the thing? Cool. How's, can you hear SJ okay? Can you hear me okay? Everything's fine? Okay. Just here. <laughs> Number one on the rope report, the big one. E3 2020 has been pro- is proposing an overhaul. This is from Mike Futter over at Games... Or I'm sorry, GameDaily.biz. The ESA is hoping to turn E3 into a Gamescom-like festival, and an additional 10,000 consumers may pack the LA Convention Center. The ESA is trying to rebrand E3 as a, quote, fan, media, and influencer festival for next year's event. In a pitch deck intended for the lobbying group's members, parentheses, updated uh, last August 16th, 2019, the ESA says it has plans to adapt its offerings in response to feedback gathered from publishers. As part of its overhaul, the group pr- uh, proposes leaning into influencers and paid celebrity deals with talent representation agencies like UTA and CAA. The deck includes two examples of these high-profile celebrity activations, including members of the Los Angeles Lakers playing a basketball video game in front of fans or actors competing in a tournament. These attractions rely on a massive change to the E3 show floor. The presentation includes a sample of what the LA Convention Center's West Hall might look like with eight experienced hubs in the middle of the traditional booth. Uh, Barrett, if you have the ability, if you see there, I hyperlink there. Uh, you can go to Mike's article on GameDaily.biz. There is a little infographic or the pitch. Uh, ESA members voiced approval for the new floor pan, fl- plan. Blah. The lobbying group says it hopes to create exclusive appointment-only activations for select attendees who will create buzz and FOMO. This is a direct quote right there. ESA members shot down the idea of paying celebrities, though, according to three slides labeled member decision points. Celebrities will be invited through an organized program instead. Industry attendees, including media, should be aware that the ESA membership approved the additional 10,000 Gamer Badge attendees, bringing the total number of consumers on the show floor to 25,000. The E3 schedule may be reconfigured with an industry-only day on Tuesday uh, before opening the doors wide to ticketed members of the general public Wednesday and Thursday. Even with the additional 10,000 people, E3 won't come close to the largest gaming industry events around the world. With fortuitous timing, Nico Partners' senior analyst Daniel Ahmad uh, shared the following attendance statistics for major conventions this year. Gamescom 2019, 373,000. China Joy 2019, 365,000. It goes on like this, the lowest one he has in the thousands here, or I shouldn't say that, in triple digits. G-Star Korea 2018, uh, 235,000. E3 2019, 66,000. Quite the drop-off. The ESA membership is not aligned with the lobbying group that E3 should be a consumer event. 
The lobbying group's publisher partner shot down an idea for a PlayStation-like movie theater experience. However, there are a number of consumer-focused plans on the table. A proposed digital app and experience may help mitigate wait times. On paper, this reads like Disney's FastPass system used in its amusement parks. Users will register for a demo time window and come back later to avoid waiting for hours for a single game. The ESA does have plans to take advantage of those long demo wait times, though. The group has plans for what it calls Q-tertainment, Q-tertainment, Q-tainment, like a line cue entertainment shoved together, uh, to market to those in line. This two-pronged approach creates a rich opportunity for E3 exhibitors. Uh, either they will have access to consumer data captured through the app, which I know I can trust the ESA with, that's Greg Miller talking, or have a captive audience as people wait in line for demos. None of this fixes the core problem, though. Publishers, ESA members, uh, don't need the LA Convention Center to reach media and influencers. They don't need one week when the entire year includes media events and consumer conventions. E3 can still have value, but the ESA continues to push the event towards the consumer focus. It is in conflict with the majority of members that do not want it to be yet another event for players. This is an identity crisis that cutainment uh, and celebrities aren't going to fix. A lot of words there, SJ. A lot of talk from Mike over there. What's your takeaway from what they propose to be E3 2020? So I, I totally understand where they're, where they're coming from in the sense that because like game development as a whole is very – we're more – I think we, we work with our communities and our consumers more directly than a lot of other industries. So it makes sense that we want to bring the consumers in on everything we do. Yeah. But as a game developer, it actually is this kind of special time when developers, publishers can make time for each other. It's mm, kind of weird. Mm. Like, I was able to meet with a lot of press one-on-one and, get, you know, put, they were the first people to ever play uh, DCO on Switch. Yeah. Um, but if they were, if it was a big hyped event with all these celebrities and stuff, they may not have had the time to actually sit down and play these games. Uh, however... I totally dig the idea of we're gonna call it cutertainment. Oh. It's I think it's cutainment. Cutainment. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna call it cutainment because um, that works really well in amusement parks. Like, sure. I, like I love like the experience of standing in line for two hours not sucking. So I'm kind of behind <laughs> that. But that being said, I also just don't want to hear the same thing on repeat for yeah. like four yeah. hours. So. I mean, there's a lot of interesting good ideas there, right? Like. Uh, the Qtainment thing, okay, like keeping you entertained. An app that makes sense is great. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I saw at PAX West this year, where, I, you know, Snowbike Mike wanted to play Predator Hunting Grounds over and over and over <laughs> again. And I was like, well, are you waiting in line? He's like, no, there's an app, that, you know, mm. the PlayStation, you go through, there's an RSVP system, you just get in there, you get in there, and you go and play when it's your time period. That makes a lot of sense, because yeah. I hate when since they've opened E3 to the public, it's struggled with its identity, and I think it still is struggling with its yeah. identity. And it definitely hasn't put the consumer first. And again, is that what E3 wants to be? Right. That's a different conversation. I hate walking around the show floor, getting stopped by a kind of funny fan who's hugging a wall in a line. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you waiting for? Oh, we're going to see Watch Dogs Legion. Awesome. How long have you been waiting? An hour and a half. Yeah. Like, why'd you, you paid all this money to come here and you're just standing yeah. here and you're going to see, what, maybe four games throughout the entire show? That yep. sucks. That isn't what I want, nor do I think what the ESA or E3 wants the consumer experience to be there. So making that move is great. However... You look at that, and we're going to do this, uh, these uh, influencer events and celebrity events and all that stuff. It becomes more and more. There was, uh, for the first time ever, a legitimate conversation with Tim and I this year of, like, should we go to E3? Like, does it make sense for Kind of Funny to go to E3, right? Like, us, yep. the lion's share of our coverage and what we're doing for the audience comes from, hey, we're going to do uh, the streams, the watch-alongs, you know, pre- and post-reports. Here's what we predict, then analyze it afterwards with you guys as part of Gamescast or Games Daily. That is a far different experience than how it was this year of going down for basically one day, running around, seeing some games, you know, doing two games casts. 
if it becomes more and more a consumer-facing show, does it become more and more what PAX is? Where PAX for us is cool to go to, but we usually just send me unless there's some yeah. sponsored event we're doing. Because whatever, these are games that are going to eventually come through the office. We're going to see something maybe we already have. Yeah, and I think you know they identified who they're trying to emulate, and that's Gamescom. And mm. I, I get it. I know that you know maybe this this side of the world needs something like that, but it like. It also turns into just another advertising festival yep. kind of thing, and and it's devs. Can more consumers will come? More consumers will turn in, but fewer devs may show up. Yeah, the PR teams might. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hit the floor like right before my flight was leaving, and I was like, "Wait, are we done? That's all of the floor this yeah. year." Yeah, yeah, it was and a weird E three this yeah, year for real. Kind of bizarre in that sense. And so yeah, I don't know. It's a. Uh, I, as somebody who, after this E3, had it was like something's gonna. They're definitely in a, yeah. a period of change. What's it going to be? This gets and sounds cooler, but I, it sounds like again to your point of like E3 usually is like, you know, for America, right? The one place where everybody meets up and mm-hmm. yeah, developers meet, uh, publishers and publishers meet with other people, and then the press is meeting with everybody, and you are having these yeah. moments of like, cool, we're all in this together, and yeah. what a cool I mean, bonding thing. We have GDC, yeah, but it's it's almost like GDC is more about the philosophy of games, yeah. And, and how to develop them and learning E3's from like, each other. E3 is like, let me see. Here's my wares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, hey, want to grab a drink? I got some ideas. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting how it shakes out. Let me see. I had a question here from Jordan Deeb. Let me see. I think we covered it. I don't think you have to worry about it. Uh, so we're going to move on to number two. This is Apple Arcade is looking good. This is uh, Mike Fahey over at Kotaku. While the $5 a month Apple Arcade subscription doesn't officially launch until Thursday, iOS 13 beta users can sign up right now and dive into new games from some of the best indie studios on the planet. With nearly 60 games on the device or the service so far, it's an overwhelming amount of entertainment all at once. Last week, Apple dropped all so- a short list of games coming to the Apple Arcade for iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and Macs. It contained 15 or so games, including new games and classic franchises like Rayman and Pac-Man, and an RPG from makers of Bravely Default, and a bunch of other cool-looking stuff. It was an impressive list, but it's nothing compared to the tidal wave of titles washing over early Apple Arcade players right now. I spent much of yesterday afternoon excitedly typing game names into our work slack. Oceanhorn 2, the first part of the new Shantae game. Square Enix's uh, Various Daylife. Mini Motorways, a new game from the makers of Mini Metro. Assemble with Care, a new narrative puzzle adventure from us two, makers of Monument Valley. Uh, Clay's Hot Lava, an action game that I've been waiting for since 2016. Earth Knight, that cool dragon running game. Yeah, dragon running game from the Nintendo Switch Indie Direct. Many, many exclamation points were used. Uh, when I loaded iOS 13 beta yesterday afternoon, there were 53 games available to download and play. As of writing, there are 59. Apple plans on having more than 100 available in the coming weeks. Thank goodness for my 512 gigabyte iPad Pro. Uh, I have so many good things to play right now, I don't know where to start. I'm just going to play everything and see if I can't come up with some sort of guide to help folks navigate the already crowded service once it launches wide later this week. SJ, are you excited for Apple Arcade? I'm confused by Apple Arcade, <laughs> mostly. Um, I haven't, other than this one article, I haven't heard that much about it. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what the, you know, of course, this is me putting on my game developer hat, but, like, you know, what's the business model behind it? Yeah. And which games get that? Which games don't? Are some games developed for it specifically? Are there buy-in? You know, is there opportunities to purchase in-app? I, I don't quite get it. Do you have any insight in that? From what I understand, right, is that it, this is what they announced at the event yesterday, that all these games coming there are... 
mobile exclusive and subscription service exclusive to Apple Arcade. Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if I've got any of that wrong. I believe that I is set y'all up away. for that. So yeah, get them. Good job. There you go. Good job. Thank you. I like letting them be a part of it. Um, it's, so it's that idea that like, you know, how Sinara Wild Hearts uh, was uh, for the longest time. I played it on Switch at GDC, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That is still a game that's coming to PlayStation 4, still coming to Switch. However, Apple Arcade, I think it means that it won't be on Google+, and it also wouldn't be on Xbox Live Game okay. Pass, from what I understand based on that. Nanobiologist has upkeep to the uh, well, th- It's about Sunar Wallhouse. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Uh, this is not about... This isn't a year wrong. This is more context and information, which I appreciate. Nanobiologist says, update to Apple Arcade being launched early. This is digitaltrends.com. On September 16th, while... Sayonara Wild Hearts developer Simogo uh, shared that it had no advanced knowledge of the soft launch for Apple Arcade and stressed that those accessing the game early should not spoil it for anyone waiting for the official release. The studio studio also said that it was likely not the final version of the game, so there could be a patch coming from the official release date. Well, I'm sure that's a nightmare for them. That uh, would freak me right out. Yeah, hold on. You'd be nice and close to that mic. You get close to that mic, <laughs> all right? You're me scaring mic me over me there. Me we already have audio times. problems. I can't have you leaning back here doing the show, all right? <laughs> That would freak you out as a dev? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we, we so carefully curate that first experience for people. It's yeah. If somebody, you know, lifts the veil before we're ready, it sure. can be very startling. And I and I, it's interesting, actually. I wonder how many people are in that boat. Because I noticed um, in uh, – hold on. We're, we're jumping around. Uh, yeah. Uh, upcoming new dates, right? It was that uh, Mosaic put out a press release. It wasn't from Apple. But it said Apple has revealed that Mosaic will be launching on its upcoming Apple Arcade subscription service, which I found interesting Apple verbiage. Apple has revealed exactly because okay. I, I had seen something similar to this from the Sinara Wild Hearts team. I didn't uh, I didn't see the actual uh, article though. Interesting. A side point to all of this though. Yeah. Um, Apple Arcade itself, when they announced it, I thought, uh, and I'm talking about way back when they were like, mm-hmm. they're like whatever, bunch of iPhone yeah. games I don't care about. When we got that first taste, and they were like. Here's Frogger. You're like, all right, whatever. Here's this weird undersea game. Uh, I don't get that either. Uh, and then it was like, here's Sign Wild Hearts. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. wait a second. Like, are we getting more real, quote unquote, games? <laughs> I'm an asshole. Sorry. You know what I mean? Of like, what is this service going to be? Right. And then, like Mike's talking about, right? To see some of the names people have been waiting so long for, right? To see a game from Clay in there, right? To, I think yeah. Mark Boson had something up yesterday with a whole bunch. Of, do you know Mark Boson? He used to work at IGN a long time ago. Now he's at oh. Apple. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just dropping names here. He's a creative producer at Apple Arcade. Yesterday, he tweeted something. Well, now he's retweeting all these names. So yesterday, yeah, Boson tweeted this. So a new Shantae is out. Exit the Gungeon. A game from Cappy. A new Rayman. A new Square RPG. Two games from RAC7. Oceanhorn 2. A game from Clay. Two from Snowman. A, a Capcom and Konami game. A Detective Grimoire. A Zack Gage game. Wild Hearts. How's everybody else's Monday? And I didn't fully understand that because I didn't understand the iOS beta stuff, right? Because yeah. I thought, well, isn't it Thursday all this stuff drops? That announcement, these impressions from Fakey, get me even more excited from what I saw last week yeah. with it. I was going to say, I mean, the, the price point's right, at least as far as the consumer goes. Well, I mean, like, let alone the first month's free if you, you know, if yeah. you're, you, your first month's free yep. when you get in there to try it. Like, it's very exciting and really cool. And if it is that mm-hmm. Apple's working with all these indies and, hey, all right, cool, like, you can still put your stuff wherever you want to put it, but mm-hmm. why not put it here and put it be part of the subscription service? It's the same thing I think Xbox Game Pass yep. does so, so well. However, I, and I've talked about this before, I think it positions itself in a different way where Xbox Game Pass is a great deal, right? And it gets you to turn on your mm-hmm. Xbox and do all these different things. This sounds like something that's actually going to get me to play games on my phone, which I don't do. If You know what I mean? Right. If, if, yeah. if the Cappy game's great, if the, you know, if Clay games is great and I'm actually there, and let mm-hmm. alone you can now sync uh, PlayStation and Xbox controllers to your mm-hmm. iDevices. Like, 
it's suddenly yeah. getting me closer to that future I've, I always talk about on this show of like man I, I wish that you know um, I hope Google Stadia works right like I'm playing Borderlands right now and, and it's that thing of if I could do cross save with it or if it had already come out and I was playing it strictly on Stadia we have five seconds mm-hmm. I'm at an airport be able to connect and work that's a rad thing it's also a rad thing if Apple is investing in games and getting quality games from quality studios, and suddenly I have yeah. them in my pocket. I have them on my iPad. I, if it's re- good, if it demands it, I can use a controller with it. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is the results of a very competitive, kind of healthy market in oh, the yeah. sense that there's so many different um, game producers out there, different companies and mm-hmm, stuff competing. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of them are leveraging themselves, like Google, as a as something that's going to change the way we play games because that's how the consumer walks out and gets a lot of these great deals and great new services and people it's this weird push pull between like direct buy versus free versus buy an app versus yeah, here's yeah, a yeah. subscription and and I get dizzy just thinking about it and it's my totally. job to think about I it know, right yeah that's the thing and yeah to the to the point of like competitive it's so interesting cuz i remember when it seemed like the deals were is it going to be? Is your game going to be exclusive to PlayStation? Is it going to be exclusive to Nintendo? Is it going to be exclusive to Xbox? And then it became, well, is it going to have an exclusive window on content on it? And now it's, is it going to be exclusive yeah. to the service? Is it going to be on every game store? Is it going to be on PlayStation yeah. Plus? Is it going to be the? It's like, it's crazy to see how the industry has evolved and continues to evolve and the different fights everybody fights. Totally. But personally, I can't believe I'm saying this. I am super excited for Thursday. Like I, I'm very. <laughs> is this going to be twelve oh one a.m.? Should I stay up and look and like? Because I'd love to come into Gamescast and be like. I've played five different <laughs> games. Here's what I think's rocking. Here's what isn't. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I'm super excited to see what happens. Uh, Frank Furter wrote into it that patreon.com slash kind of funny games says, Good morning, Greg and SJ. Apple has unveiled their launch tutors for Apple Plus or Apple Games Plus, and I have to say they look great. With Apple's plan to add an additional 100 games in the coming weeks, do you think that these games will be quality titles like most of the launch titles, or do you believe that the 100 will mostly be shovelware? Also, we all know that you, Greg, are going to be a day one adopter. So what are you excited for, and what would you like to see added? Great question. Yeah, and the first thing that I thought of when I heard that is big companies like this, I don't think that they would put all of the infrastructure and development work into it to just have it be like a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. They're, I would suspect they're thinking long term and that they know they're going to have to have these tentpole titles to hold it up every quarter. Yeah. So I would think that's, that's again, another win for the consumer there. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I would have thought in leaving the Apple event last week, I was like, all right, cool. They're going to put out a handful of games. Some of them are going to be this Frogger thing that I won't ever touch or that weird undersea right. game, but I'll get a wild, I will get a Sinara Wild Hearts every so often. Mm-hmm. And my argument was as long as I'm getting one of those every month that there's a reason exactly. to keep the subscription going, I'm happy. But yeah, when they're like, now it's going to be you know 100 in the coming weeks, as Mike says, there's 59 up already. Then you get into this thing of, cool, if we're trying to hit 100 in two, three weeks or whatever, how are they all good? And like again, like it's Boson's team who's working on Apple Arcade. He knows games. I would imagine they're not just greenlighting crap to get on there. You do want quality over quantity, yeah. but it remains to be seen, I think. Yeah, because if, if, if your user's first experience is one of the, quote, crap games, you're going to lose them. So yeah. they don't want to have a too much filler like that. Exactly. And then for what I want to see out of it, I want to see at least once a month a, a, a really awesome game out there, right? Yeah. I want to see things like Florence on there, which yeah. I fucking lo- adore. It, it reminds me a lot of games as a service yeah. you know or mmos and stuff like that because sure every day can't be an episode or dlc release or a content pack so there's stuff that's not as amazing but you have to continuously drop those amazing things to keep your people yeah and i want i do want i'm excited for the first game where i'm like i start on my phone i'm like 
man, I got to get the iPad Pro and I got to get a controller. <laughs> like, that's what I want out of it. Uh, I asked for help on this. Nanobiologist wrote into Patreon. Doc, or no, I'm sorry. Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. It says, uh, Apple games on Apple Arcade are considered exclusive on mobile stores and will be exclusive to the service. Okay. Uh, okay. They're curated games with a, they're curated games with a full experience and no microtransactions. Apple Arcade will not have shovelware. It is curated library with full experience, no ads, or microtransactions. <laughs> Thank you, Nano. Speaking of microtransactions and weird things, also there's another link here for you, Barrett. If you notice, video tour. I'm gonna want you. To, you can click on that while I read and play it for people. Sound off, please. Uh, number three on the Roper Report: A GameStop test store has surfaced online. This is Matt Kim over at IGN. IGN can confirm the accuracy of a recent Facebook video, which appears to show what one of the redesigned GameStop stores could look like under the company's re- GameStop reboot plan. A GameStop store in Pryor, Oklahoma, posted a video tour of what looks like a new layout for the store. A source familiar with GameStop's operation, who's requested anonymity, uh, has confirmed that the store matches the blueprint layout of the redesigns shown at GameStop's annual conference. IGN sources say there's a test store in Oklahoma with the same state from... I'm sorry, the same state from which this video is from. A second source familiar with GameStop's future reboot plans said that not all stores will look like the one in the video, with some stores redesigned for a focus on esports, retro games, as shown here, or a more traditional design similar to existing stores. Other features, like the wall-mounted tablet, are more universal features that corporate will implement across all stores. The new store appears to ditch the glossy black-and-white aesthetic of current GameStop locations. Instead, the store now sports a more muted gray color aesthetic with faux wood paneling. The store is also sleeker and more streamlined, with cleaner rows of games as well as a small table for video game apparel and figures. There's also a wall-mounted tablet in the store that customers can order from, as well as a sofa and HDTV located in the middle of the store. Furthermore, in the back of the store is a new space filled with CRT TVs and tables, apparently used for tabletop games. This would align with GameStop's previously stated goals of turning stores into event spaces where they could host live tournaments and live events. SJ, you had said you're already taking a gander at this one. What, what do you think of this layout for uh, GameStop? The front of it reminds me of a GameStop from 20 years ago. And it was, <laughs> it was very business. Come get your games. Trade games with us and stuff like that. Uh, the back end of it, I used to manage a comic book store no a jillion years ago, reminded me of what every comic right. and game store has totally. turned into is, is a social space for geeks and nerds. And I mean, other people are welcome to, I guess. But to, to <laughs> get out of here, to just like in online games, we want to connect people. Yeah. The stronger the bonds, yeah. the more they're going to play, the more packs they're going to buy and things like that. Um, but it seemed small yeah. to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Like my experience from from running that comic book shop is it fills up fast when you have people excited about playing the latest magic or whatever. And so I think what might happen and I don't know why I'm just speculating here is it's going to it can scare off the passersby. Sure. The, the mom and dad that are like, well, Jimmy really likes the Mario, you know, and, <laughs> and they're going to walk in and walk right back out. Yeah. But maybe they don't want those. That's not who they're looking for anymore. They want to be a hub yeah. for us. This has been the struggle, right, for GameStop. Yeah. And I thought, you know, we've chronicled it here on Kind of Funny Games Daily since the stock price started going. They couldn't sell the company. They were, you know, all these different things. Now the reboot plan, the layoffs. I still struggle with the idea of it working because I think they're just too far gone. And we've, t- I, I, I've been saying for, and I know they've confirmed this since then that they're gonna have to close a lot of stores, right? That's what I was saying. You gotta, mm-hmm. that's your major loss leader, I would imagine, in terms of. We're just spread too thin. Let's get down and let's get focused. Even getting back and focused, you worry, like, will the GameStop brand, even if it was, hey, come hang out and play CRT in the back, is that going – how long does that transition take to get away from Mm -hmm. power to the players, trade in your stuff, get out to actually hanging out, which is what the nanobiologist writes into on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. What's up, Greg and SJ? 
GameStop's new store layout got leaked, and I'm not sure that this is new friendlier space is enough to save the stores. While I think the tables and TVs to play games is a great touch, many people uh, go to the stores to play games already have spaces like that, like comic, board games, comics, and uh, card and retro game stores. Plus, many people, from what I've seen at my own GameStop, are there with a family to grab something quick or to shop with their young kids for something cute for, or a toy. Do you think this new welcoming gamer space will be enough to attract customers old and new to stick around, play games, and treat it like a hangout spot instead of just a store? Has the GameStop brand been too ingrained with people uh, to remain just a storefront? Uh, the only way I can think to help this experience is if they also partner with a retro game store for game nights, have game nights again, or allow people to actually try out games before they buy instead of those outdated demo kiosks. I think what also they need to do is, if you're listening, is... They probably are. <laughs> target um, areas of the country that don't have those types of yep. places. And you're going to have to have a staff that has a passion for it to constantly creating content. I'm from Austin, where Alamo Drafthouse, yeah. you know, that's that's their home. And it took, you know, years and years of them just having a passion for what they do yeah. to create all of these events and contents and Friday nights, you know, David Bowie night or whatever. Yeah. And they need to do the same thing there or it's just going to turn into like a whiteboard where they write in yeah. what's happening. And today. that's where I struggle with it. Right. Is that Alamo is a great example of somebody who started small found a thing that worked and then was able to identify where to go with those locations right. to make that actually happen and where like a weird Wednesday showing or Terror Tuesday is going to make sense, right? GameStop, and granted, they're not doing the same thing in every store. GameStop trying this out, I worry about that of like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, like if I was starting a game store tomorrow, I would, it might look similar to this with, hey, I thought mm -hmm. it was cool that they had the snacks in there and like yeah. they, they're encouraging you to hang out and play games in the back. That's so easy when you are a independent retailer, like a comic book shop, and you're able to say, man, you know what? Everybody's loving Borderlands. We're going to bring in some TVs in the back and play Borderlands. Or we're at Smash Night. We're doing just Smash Night, like the bar on the street does. Like, That's easy. When you have to go through corporate, like, and I'm not yeah. even like, and I'm not taking a shot at GameStop, just in general, having mm -hmm. a corporate structure, that shit has to get approved. And so yeah. does a Smash Night in Oklahoma play the same as a Smash Night down at yeah. the San Francisco Stones town? Yeah, and, and and since it's GameStop, they will probably have to get the lawyers involved right. and all of that fun stuff. And that's where it gets really sticky of like, this is a cool idea. When I was pitching it you know, earlier in the year when we were talking about all this stuff, this is what I was saying of like, you need to go back to that comic book shop vibe of it's yep. a place to actually hang out. I think, you know, to nanobiologists asking if this would actually work, I think if they were to do it at the mall down the street, it would work. There's a high school right next door. There's mm -hmm. kids walking through the food court all the time. Even with the, like, I think something that was missing that I, I, when I was growing up was easy. Uh, your parents would park you somewhere. All right, cool. Go to KB Toys, and I'm going to go do all this other yep. stuff. Great. Awesome. Thanks. See you guys later. For this to be like, all right, go to GameStop and hang out in the back and play N64 or whatever. Yeah, is it this generation's arcade yeah exactly and can it be right because yeah. even as i talk about although it would do well down there the GameStop in stonestown is tiny it's yeah. the size of this room like you're not going to be able to do exactly the same thing that they just did in oklahoma there mm -hmm. and so I, the nightmare of what GameStop is trying to do from a logistics side of figuring out what stores work for which way what you know do we have to we're trying to save money we've closed these stores can we move it so that they get a bigger spot it's who the hell knows and that could be what it's doing because i i've worked for this comic book store and it's had two three at least four locations because it would hey let's invite people in oh my gosh we need a bigger space i mean it yeah. changed locations twice while i worked there yeah kind of thing so they need a big footprint 
to host events like that. Yeah, I mean, I wish him the best. Obviously, I think that having, even though I'm a digital guy, like I like having brick and mortar. I do like ha- I do like the idea of having a place where people can go and hang out. I do like the idea that you know, I for me, I remember it being such a sense of identity of being able to walk into Funkoland and be like, yeah. I'm with my people. Yeah. I could talk to the person here about you know uh, WCW versus NWO, and they understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't want people to lose that, but who knows. Uh, number four, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Near Automata Alliance raid details have been published. This is Matt Kim at IGN breaking down the patch for you. Uh, patch 5.1 is coming in October. It's going to include new main scenario quests. These are new quests continuing the Shadowbringers storyline. A new 24-player Alliance raid, the Copied Factory, designed by guest creators uh, Yosuku uh, Seito and Yoko Toro. Uh, restoration of the Holy Sea of uh, uh, Ishgard, new crafter and gather focused uh, content. There's new game plus, a new dungeon, a new extreme trial, new beast tribe quest for the Pixies, a PvP update, a blue mage job update, performance action <laughs> updates as well. That's a lot of updates to uh, Final Fantasy 14, an MMO that keeps on trucking. Feels like home. I was going to say, feels very similar, <laughs> I'm sure, to your day to day at DC Universe Online, right? Yeah, and I there's something in here that actually is really interesting to me. And Shout it out, the, please. The idea of a guest content creator. Oh yeah. Like like we have guest voice actors, Superboy. Yeah, that's me, everybody. Uh, in only one section. <laughs> you know what I mean? Should let me record all the lines. It was an important section, though. But anyhow, I'm aware. I'm not um, saying it's not a big deal. I'm saying but, I record uh, all the lines. For you know, and that's just, it's probably an annoying legal hurdle to jump through, yeah. and who gets paid what. But it's it's a really neat idea. Like it'd be really exciting to have like a comic book writer contribute to a sure. story. Although our new writer is actually a comic book writer, so I don't guess I guess got that covered. Yeah. Uh, Paul, <laughs> Paul Benjamin joined the team this year. And, that's awesome. And, Congratulations. Um, with our, our update that went out uh, last week, Metal yeah. Part 1, um, people have been like really commenting how we've gone back to really giving a crap about the story. I always have given a crap about the story, but sure. when you have that skillful guest creator to come in, I'm just now my mind's just going crazy on who we could bring in. I'm right here. Let me <laughs> let me craft a Superboy quest for you. No big Would deal. Would you like to be a game developer? <laughs> I'll just send you an outline. You guys <laughs> yeah, build perfect. it. You just do that. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, that's else my job. No, no, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, when you, uh, talk to me about that. What is it like working on an MMO? Let alone DC Universe Online. It's been around for so long now. It is. Um, it's. Some people say it's a marathon, not a sprint. But I think it's a sprinting marathon because, <sighs> like we were talking about earlier, um, you got to keep it new. You got to update things when they're out of date. We're we're updating the character models in our game because they were all designed in two thousand five. Yeah. I mean, that's like two DC reboots ago. Oh, I'm aware. I, mean, so. I remember when you guys finally, like, it was like, you know, Superman lost his trunks. And he lost his trunks just in time for DC to put the trunks put the back trunks on back Superman. On. Yeah, and we're like, well, he's just going to... He's just going to be enjoying the breeze for a while because uh, it's it's uh, it's quite difficult to to work in 3D spaces and create assets like that. Sure. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah totally. Um, so that's pretty much my take on it. Except um, you also have to think about you want to keep your players forever mm-hmm. that's ideal you want to give them something that makes them happy and they never want to find another game but you're also folding in like children that they were like little wee babes sure. when the game came out and so the way they play games isn't necessarily the way the first users played games so trying to actually update the content models and how the game is played is actually really important too which most game companies you know they ship it forget it it's yeah. like well that's a lovely thing for the ages well, we don't want to be for the ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to be current day today kind of stuff. But that's got to be stressful. Right? Like, what what episode number is Metal Part 1? 30. 
I mean, just you can say thirty something. Thirty that's, something. In fact, because somebody... that was my thing of like, you know, I, I, geez, I, you know, thirty-five. I forget when I picked up and really was into it before uh, with Taylor the last time on PlayStation Four, right? <laughs> but when I turned it on for Switch and I went through, I was like, oh my god, like you, it's like one of those things of like how much content has happened since I stepped away, and I want to say I stepped away in the teens, and the fact that it's more than doubled in terms of yeah. episodic content and storyline and stuff like that. I, you know, mm-hmm. Trek's light. I, I, I immediately went to his Twitch and I was just like, what is going no. on, dude? And he's like, oh my god, yeah. you're back. I'm like, I need to. <laughs> someone needs to explain everything that's happening. I don't know what's happening in my skill trees anymore. I'm lost. Yeah. You guys, you have to change everything all the time. Yeah, because the expectation of MMOs 15, 20 years ago is completely different than today. Session lengths were like eight hours yeah. back then, and now it's like eh, maybe two, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people are like, I got I got things to do, man. Got a life or another game or whatever. Yeah. Going on. Uh, about all of this, the nanobiologist, apparently it's his show today, writes into Patreon.com <laughs> and says, uh, hey, SJ, welcome to Kind of Funny. As a creator of an MMO, I want to know what you think of other MMOs on the market. Not trashing them, but what do you think some MMOs have done right? Uh, have you really liked features of other? Or, uh, I'm sorry. Have you liked features from ongoing and past MMOs that you wished were in DC Universe Online? I haven't played DC DC UO yet, but as a huge fan of MMOs, it's always been on my list and always intrigued me to play in a superhero world, similar to Toontown, where you'd be playing around a Disney cartoon world. Uh, so I do have the privilege of if I saw something that I liked in another MMO um, or some, a way of thinking, I just do it. Like, we aren't afraid to update our game. Like you said, it, sometimes it's a little startling when you come back, but we we want the game to play for today's market. And I guess one example would be um, when ESO did, like, one Tamriel, and they, they made, like, their whole game, like, level agnostic, basically. Um, we didn't go that so that far, but we made, you know, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah, I can say that on this show, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, curse finally. It yeah, don't uh, worry about it's it. It's bullshit that the newest stuff we made in MMOs was always for, like, the highest level people. Yes, thank and you. And so, like, you, we'd throw a banner up on Xbox or something that's like, check out Metal Part 1. And people are like, I would love to download in six months when I level up. Right. And that's just, that's not the way it should be anymore. So we have a, whenever we have new content updates... We have two versions. One says for the super high-level people, and actually three. Then one for the really ridiculously amazing uh, players. And then we have one that's for everybody level like 14 and up. So like it's essentially if you started yesterday, you could play the same day. And so we, like that's why I'm in a wonderful position. And, and that's one of the nice things about working on an MMO or any live service game is if you ever feel like you made a mistake in development, you have the ability to fix it. That's great. Most devs don't have that luxury. Yeah. So. Awesome. We're playing more today, probably. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. <laughs> if everything works with a soundboard or whatever. Kevin's over there with duct tape and a, and a dust buster trying to make it all happen. Number five and final on the Roper Report. Uh, Knights and Bikes is getting a TV series. This is Katie Mansfield over at the bookseller.com. Knights and Bikes is next in line for a TV adaptation. Uh, Tiger Aspect Productions has optioned the rights for an animated series based on the game and its accompanying spin-off book series from their creators at Foam Sword and Knights of, respectfully. Uh, Tiger Aspect is best known for, as a production company behind projects like Mr. Bean and Peaky Blinders. Quote, the energy, humor, and joy that continually burst out of TV animation was a large inspiration in creating Knights and Bikes, said Foam Swords Rex Crowley. Of course, we know Rex. He's the one who came on here with a bunch of weird British words we didn't believe. Uh, not just in the way it looks, but also in the themes and tone of the game. It's a fantastically fun new development for us to be working with Tiger Aspect on a Knights and Bikes animated series. 
Knights and Bikes was kickstarted in 2016 by Media Molecule veterans Crowley and Mu Yu. Uh, the game tells a story of friendship between two young girls with very active imaginations and released last month to solid reviews. Knights of was published. Uh, I'm sorry, Knights of has published two Knights and Bikes spinoff books by Gabrielle Kent and um, with plans for more in the future. Nothing really to say except congratulations, Rex and crew. I love that game, as you guys know. I already own a T-shirt. You know, no big deal. I backed it on Kickstarter a long time ago. Excited to see them continue to have success. I don't like these British people coming over here with made-up words. Though. You know what I mean? What was it? Do you remember Bear? Like, in it? no, no, yeah, in it. Don't get me started on that, Rahul. You know what I mean? You cowards. But it was they had another, like snoggers, or sn- snookers, or something. I don't know. It was something about cops. It was something about cops. I remember. I called Gary Widow, but he hurt his foot, and God forbid anybody disturb me. See this? He's over there on bed rest. Like, you twisted your ankle, Gary. Get off the couch. I digress. SJ, I'm excited to see the Knights and Bikes TV show, but it's still so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, say what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? I would suggest the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Great job, Barrett. You're playing through. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it. Out today, Castle Crashes Remastered on PlayStation 4 and Switch. Barrett, very excited about that. Hasn't played it enough, I guess. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just make Castle Crashes 2. Jet Cave Adventure on Switch. Bus Simulator on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. AI, The Sonomium Files on PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. Rebel Cops on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Devil's Hunt on PC. Lego Jurassic World on Switch. Groundhog Day, like father, like son on PlayStation VR and Steam VR. If you are wondering, yes, that is a sequel to the Groundhog Day movie where you are (laughs) Phil Connors' son. I am not making this up. It is a sequel inside of that movie universe. Not it doesn't have it. It has the same characters, not the same thing. But you got like uh, Andy McDowell's characters there. The uh, the annoying insurance guy whose name is escaping me right now. They're all there. Real fishing road trip adventure is on PS4 and Switch. Daymare. 1998 is on PC. Black Bear, The Cursed Jungle is on PC. Rockstar Games has a launcher. If you download it and play the latest Rockstar game, you can download it and play the latest Rockstar Games PC titles. Ned Ryerson, that's his name from Groundhog Day. Nobody corrected me. I got that on my own. I just want to point that out. Uh, you can download the Rockstar Games launcher today and you'll da- get a free copy of San Andreas as well. You got a trailer here for it? Is that what you're trying to show me here? Yeah. I, look, I, I believe now, what I did is I watched the trailer weeks ago. And what I'm pretty sure happened here is that they took over the bread and the bed and breakfast. I think it's that they live in Puxitani. You are Phil's son and, and, and Andy McDowell's son, right? And like, but it, it, see, there, it's literally the same place. And I'm not making this up, everybody. Like, you got the same alarm clock, right? You're living in here. You're smashing you're the clock. You're not pranking huh? me. I'm this not is... pranking. It was at PAX, and I didn't play it because it was so I close to coming see out. This. But I, I definitely, when I saw it, I was like, I'm a big Groundhog Day, obviously, Bill Murray fan. So I had to know about it. And then sure, there he is, Ned Ryerson right there. Like, did you ever want to do Groundhog Day 2 but in PlayStation VR? If so, today's your fucking day, folks. Oh, all right? Man. You know what I mean? Can't speak to the quality of it at all, but this is something that's happening. and It's got oh puzzles and all sorts of things. Who knows? Uh, Warframe's Saint of Ultra update launches on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch today. And then the Stranger Things chapter of Dead by Daylight, Sirens Are on Our End, is available today. Oh, I shoved two together. And then... No, that's actually an upcoming date. So hold on. New dates. Jenny LeClue is landing on PC September 19th. Apple Arcade, Switch, and PlayStation 4 coming soon. However, parentheses, the Apple Arcade beta for... Uh, it's already in the Apple Arcade beta, iOS 13 for beta users. 
which would lead me to say it's probably launching on the 19th along with the rest of the games. I think there's something weird going on where you can't say it until Apple says it, and so you're like in a weird thing. Uh, other new dates, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare open cross-play uh, beta starts Thursday. For the first time ever, Call of Duty players can play against each other on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said earlier in the show, Apple has revealed Mosaic will be launching on its upcoming Apple Arcade subscription service, which seems like they're throwing shade, but I can't <laughs> prove it. No one really knows. Uh, time for reader mail. You can write in, of course, to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where you can get the show ad-free as well. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by kindoffunny.com slash PAX tournament. Remember, over the weekend, we put up the Intersight tournament. You can go watch Let's Play 26 of your favorite video game personalities playing each other and screaming at each other and doing stupid stuff. Uh, first question comes from Chris RVA, who wrote into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, Hello, Greg and SJ. Yesterday, you discussed the recent sentencing for the Ohio swatting incident. You mentioned you hoped for a more stringent sentence in order to deter future incidents of swatting. Well, I'm a high school history teacher who tries to fit in relevant current event discussions whenever possible. This morning, I discussed the case with my class of 11th graders, and I have some disheartening news. Not a single one of them heard about the sentencing, yet everyone has heard of swatting. Worse, many found it funny and loved to watch swatting videos online. When told of the death and injuries resulting from swatting, most fell quiet, shocked that something they found so funny had caused so much suffering. So here's my question. How could the gaming community and game developers bring greater attention to this issue? Most teenage gamers, like my students, don't listen to gaming podcasts, nor do they follow gaming news sites like IGN or Kotaku. It is one thing to try and deter swatting with a stringent sentence, but it'll never work as long as the greater gaming public is never educated on the reality of the crime and its repercussions. It may seem like common sense, but most high schoolers are still learning critical thinking. First, I commend you for talking to them about this. 100%. And um, I think he really, he, she. Chris, yeah. It's um, a, he. Uh, really hits the nail on the head about the repercussions because it's just whenever, whenever we come up with a term for something, swatting, it's like, it, it's almost like, it almost makes it cute sounding sure. in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So really like showing what happens and the risk they're putting people under like think about all the dumb crap you do when you're a teenager you don't think about what's going to happen on the other end of course not it just seems like a prank to a lot of people and it absolutely isn't i know people who have been swatted you know it's i've been put on a do not swat list myself yeah so my parents were on a do not swat list because it really is kind of a a, it's an epidemic but it's also just a scary thing sure it's almost like a boogeyman out there um, so I think just the, the, the natural conclusion, sadly, we actually have an example of what can happen. Right. Um, I can't understand why it's not more discussed. But I think that the biggest thing about it is continuing the discussion. You know what I mean? Like, we're lucky enough to do a, a daily show, so we're able to talk about the event and then eventually the repercussions, most of the time, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And that is part of it. I mean, yeah, to Chris's point, like, talking to your students about it, talking to other people about it. Like, it's also, I feel that... The extreme cases of swatting where something does go wrong, where there are legal repercussions, where there is a trial or something like that, are still in their infancy, right? So as that continues to become more and more known, a more real repercussion, a real issue, the conversations about that will spread, hopefully, right? Like, it is that thing of, like, I would encourage, and I know I I don't have an, an avenue to them, but 
Twitch streamers, right? If somebody's making a joke about that in your chat to stop playing your game right. and explain why, no, don't do that. Like, this yeah. guy died, right? And yeah. this guy's life's completely fucked because of it now. Yeah. Because they thought, yeah, it was a dumb prank. Yeah. And like, that's the thing of, you know, we were all kids. We were all high school students. We were all a bunch of stupid yeah. shit kids. Yeah. And, like, you did stuff you didn't expect yeah. to have the repercussion. I, I do think that a punishment is necessary. Oh, otherwise. 100%. Yeah, you just can't put up blinders and act like you and that, like, can't put two and two together. That was the so. story I know you were traveling yesterday to get here that we talked about on Games Daily, right? Was mm -hmm. the idea that the judges, they, they wanted a plea bargain, the right. lawyers and this, and the judge was like, listen, I can't. Because the public yeah. needs to know that you can't do this. There, yeah. there needs to be an actual sentence handed down so that the system works yeah. and people understand the fact of like this. Yeah. You're not going to get a slap on the wrist. Yeah, it's well, it's like maybe if you'd order a, a pizza delivered to their house, it, sure. you could get a slap on the wrist. Sure, but not this. Exactly. Also, if pizzas just show up, who's going to complain? You know what I mean? Um, this is 2038 Pokemon CEO, and I'm not 100% versed. Did Tim come to work today yet? Can you, can, uh, Joy Fox, will you go over there and get t uh, Tim Gettys for me? Uh, is Link's Awakening Switch a normal embargo? I find it funny the embargo only lets reviewers talk about up to the third dungeon. While every preview talks about how this remake is nearly one for one. It makes me feel like something happens after the third dungeon, but previews stress the similarities. Did you hear any of that, Tim? That mic doesn't work. That mic doesn't work. So oh. just come over here and lean on me, right? Uh, Pokemon CEO. Is, you know, have you met SJ yet? No. SJ, this is Tim. Hi. Uh, Link's Awakening Switch. Is Link's Awakening Switch a normal embargo? Uh, he's talking about how reviewers can only talk up to the third dungeon. Uh, while every preview talks about how it's nearly one-to-one, -one. it makes me feel like something happens. At third, blah, blah, blah. So I, you, of course, are the one who got our review code. You mm -hmm. didn't share it with me. You didn't even ask if I wanted it. You just mm -hmm. redeemed it and took it. Mm -hmm. um, is that what it is? Is the review you can only talk to the third dungeon? Or is that the preview? I'm going to be completely honest. You I son of a I did not look at the, I just saw the date. I'm like, all right. All right, fair enough. I, I can go look at it now. Well, no, it, yeah, you can, but I think, fine, go away. You were worthless to this okay. entire conversation. Well, Nintendo is weird. That's all I'm saying. Nintendo is weird. And, my, what I, Tim, here's the one thing I'm hung up on that I need you to talk about. Yeah. Just find out, is it the review? You can only review through the third dungeon? That doesn't sound right. I don't think that's right. Okay. Yeah. You go check it and make sure that. Uh, for a preview, uh, that that is not rare at all to say hey you can only talk about this much of the right. game through this part yeah please don't tell everybody everything and even and to your point of like oh even though it's a one for one remake right it makes I, 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 I have not played it yet and I don't know anything about it but more importantly I never played the original Link's Awakening <laughs> so I don't want it spoiled for me so right. I think that is even if it was I, I always bring up the uh, I don't always when Barrett and I did the uh, Batman Arkham Asylum 10th anniversary live stream one of my conversations was uh, you know that I didn't understand. Back in the day, I found it like almost like butt butting up against journalist ethics of when they gave me the code. One of their review things was like, you can't mention the scarecrow at all. Like, yeah. don't. And I was like, but he's one of the coolest things. I want to <laughs> just didn't even yeah. mention that he is cool, right? But of course, WPR, WBPR, terrible, <laughs> awful PR. people, just horrible, horrible people. And uh, it was that conversation that okay i get it but i don't get it and like why like those embargoes those things like days gone had one of like you can't talk please don't talk about it past this point it's part of the agreement when you get a game for review again that doesn't that sounds really early and ridiculous over there that that would be that early but i don't know here's barrett i'm just adding my two cents of i don't know where they're getting this from because reviews for Link's awakening aren't even up yet so i don't know where they're getting this information from so it's probably then ju it's just a preview then the old Come on over, come on over here. Andy, everybody's coming in, man. It's just a, yeah, woo! Yeah, when we did the Uncharted Lost Legacy review and they were like, yeah, you can't mention like all the cool cameos or any of the cool shit that happened. It's like, well, that's all the cool shit. Like, what the hell, you know? All right, now, but Timothy back. What did you find out about your uh, review or preview embargo? 
Uh, what do you saw about the preview? Okay. The review it says up to the eighth dungeon. Okay. Like everything. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that's it's fine. So it's just there's a couple story things you can't. Okay. That's that's fair. Now now Kevin's here. What do you got? My preview of the game. I really like it. I I'm at the third dungeon. It's like a cavalcade. I uh, I don't have anything to say about this. I just wanted to tell you I ordered a Lucha's burrito and it's oh. still real good. They nailed it. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. I plan on taking you to Lucha's for lunch. So spoilers there. Oh boy. Your breakfast burrito is good if you want that. You know, little so. preview there. Just a little. You know. Just yeah. You know. Just putting in there. Just putting but he in can't. There. He can't talk past level three burrito. <laughs> he can only talk about okay. the first three bites of the burrito okay. and then go on that way. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, final question comes back to Frank Furter, who wrote in to Patreon.com/slash/KindOfFunnyGames and says, "Good morning, Greg and SJ. I want to piggyback on." Koi NC's question yesterday about what AAA games will perform well later this year in a slate chock full of hype. Sure, AAA games are great, but in recent memories, they have been disappointments. There are a bunch of remastered games coming out as well this year, including my favorite game of all time, Nino Kuni. Where do we put some of these gems from the past in an already packed holiday season? We're getting Medieval, Yakuza 4, and Ghostbusters to name a few. Do you think these games will be overshadowed by the shiny and new, or will they outperform and stand the test of time? Well, if it's anything like Hollywood, yeah. there is definitely room, perhaps too much room for remakes and nostalgia trips. So I think that they'll perform really well. Will they stay in our hearts and minds forever? I don't know. I think with these specific four games, Nino Kuni, Medieval, Yakuza 4, Ghostbusters, talking about how they're gonna perform is hard because Nino Kuni is the game that's had so much juice. You know, yeah. it was a game of the year runner back in the day yeah. when we were, when it came out at IGN. However, huge investment, and is, I'm not even using the Greg joke of it. Old game is old. It's hard to get right. people super stoked for an old game. So I feel like Nino Kuni is going to talk to the Nino Kuni audience. Yeah. But I don't personally see that breaking out. It's very similar, I feel, to Catherine, where back mm -hmm. in the day we all loved Catherine. Yeah. They put out the Catherine remaster, you know, version of it, and. The people who loved it loved it. You know, there's a lot of interesting conversation about it this time around. In and terms those are of really art-forward games, right? So it's like it's like let's redo the Mona Lisa. You know, yeah. well, why? And so it's that thing of I still haven't seen major shockwaves from Catherine. People aren't talking about Catherine mm -hmm. nonstop, and I feel like Nino Kuni falls into that thing. Yakuza Four is on a little bit of a different trend because Yakuza's blown up so much since Yakuza Four originally launched. Yeah. I think that coming out and being remastered is going to get people talking about mm -hmm. it and sharing the gifts and doing all that stuff. But I don't think it's going to blow up. Uh, as a Ghostbusters fanboy who loved the <laughs> Ghostbusters game, I also think yeah. that's I'm going to talk a lot about Ghostbusters when I get my hand on it, but I don't think it's going to be outrageous and everywhere and in your face. Yeah. The one dark horse here, as I think, is Medieval. Is that Medieval is... True. It's not even a... It's not a remaster, right? It's a remake. It is yeah. like Crash being remade. And I stand by that I don't think there's that many medieval fans it's not it's not gonna be a crash or a spyro scenario however mm -hmm. having played it at a preview event i was like i don't i remember playing medieval at the walmart or kmart kiosks back in the day and being like oh, all right whatever i played this one and you know went through the first world and did the boss and i was like fuck this is actually kind of fun and it is kind of spooky and yeah. it is launching right at that halloween time where it's like i could see me giving that a couple nights and beating it and being done with it yeah cult classics sleeper hits those are the ones that you know i can see targeting and trying to blow it up and make it mainstream yeah it's going to be very, very interesting. Stay tuned. Uh, it's time to squat up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here, and the best friends come and find you. Today, 
Arvel, crying it, of course. Icon, uh, Greg's comic book club contributor needs help. And, of course, he's been a best friend forever. He's that one guy who came really sick that one time. Like, he was in the hospital the night before. And then he came, like, with the flu to a meet and greet. And I was like, get the fuck out of here, Arvel. What are you doing here? Anyways, he needs help in real life. It's a real-life scavenger hunt. He needs you to hit him up on Twitter at Arvel, A-R-V-E-L underscore C-R-Y-N-Y-D. Hi, Greg and SJ. This squad up is slightly different than usual. This week, I'm starting a one-week vacation in Berlin, Germany. I wanted to do a city-based, I wanted to do a city-based room escape puzzle scavenger hunt while exploring the city. It's supposed to be a multiplayer experience of up to ten people, but unfortunately, I'm alone. So, if there are some best friends currently in Berlin, I would love and be happy if anybody could join me and explore the city. Sorry, I got a hiccup in the middle of that. My Twitter handle is Arvel underscore Crynid C R Y N Y D. It's the first. Escape room pug I've ever heard of. Yeah? Pickup group. Yeah, of course, yeah. This is how we do it here each and every day. Uh, if you're going to be there, go see Arvel. I assume he's not highly contagious this time around <laughs> with a flu or something. What were you thinking, Arvel? He's all sweaty. I was like, get the hell out of here. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. What an idiot. What an idiot. You're going to kill us all. Uh, it's time for You're Wrong. This is where people write into patreon.com slash, or no, no, kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screwed up. Uh, nanobiologist says, we could hear Bar- Barrett. He was just a little muted. Um, uh, nanobiologist also says, you nailed it. Metal, uh, metal part one is episode 35. You crushed that. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, I, he, Kebabs put this in as Miss News. Somebody tweeted at me earlier. Uh, I want to talk about it real quick. Miss News, Sony's own Shuhei Yoshida confirmed Japanese website uh, on a Japanese website that they own all of Insomniac's past IP. Uh, speaking to the Japanese publication, Yoshida's quote is saying, SIE holds the rights to past Insomniac games work. This would presumably include Sunset Overdrive, but also games like Fuse, uh, Song of the Deep, four mobile games. Uh, well, you're jumping to a lot of conclusions. People were excited about uh, this in general. For me personally, this was confirmed the day of. Insomniac said yeah. they own Sunset Overdrive, and if you are now owned by a company, the company owns all your work. Yeah. However, and this would be a you're wrong for another time, or if you can get it in quickly, Fuse was that EA thing. The EA might own the rights to that. And same Song of, Song of the Deep was the GameStop Game Trust thing. They might own the rights to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure those two in particular you call out. But for sure, we know Sunset's in there. What'll happen? Who knows? Um. Uh, nanobiologist says what is a do not swat list the audio listeners may not know well, i think the visual listeners might not know either but it's yeah. when it's you and you call the police and you're like hey i exist online which means yeah. people might fuck with me and like if you ever get a call yeah. saying i'm holding people hostage probably not me yeah which it doesn't work if you do it it works if the fbi does it huh <laughs> yeah i so didn't know I don't, that <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't think that you can necessarily ask to be on that list but maybe ask your local law enforcement maybe i'm wrong but from what i've been told you can that you okay. can call it awesome. but my i'm always like you know how yeah, i don't yeah. what, am i calling the right police station yeah, and then also and then when they get the report are they're they really like checking really it? this person's planning crimes yeah, you know it's like exactly. no that's not why <sighs> oh okay now biology says just announced medieval has gone gold that's great news and then Imran says, EA owns Fuse, Sony owns Sunset Overdrive, but don't own the publishing rights or the right of first refusal for a sequel. So there you go. Man, this is why I don't ever want to be an executive. Totally, no. <laughs> That's why I just want to, you know, walk out on the street, get hit by a car. Turns out it's Mark Zuckerberg. Just gives me a gajillion dollars <laughs> and I walk away. Why well, hobble away? I guess I got hit by a car. I crawl. My legs are broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
That's kind of funny games daily for today. Uh, the rest of the week, of course, looks like this. Tomorrow, it's going to be Imran and Witta. Uh, then Thursday, me and Imran. And then Friday, me and Tim. Remember, Thursday, uh, September 19th at 2 p.m. is the Kind of Funny Games cast. Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Tim, myself, Fran, and Imran. Oh, that's not it, though, for us, SJ. Knock on wood with our current weird streaming setup. It's some kind of wood, right? There's wood parts to it. All right. All right. Uh, we're going to stream some DC Universe online this afternoon, 2 p.m. Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, if people are watching this later and not want to go watch that, where can people keep up with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, SJ underscore Nerd of Prey. I like that a lot. Uh, no. Movies coming out next year. Are you excited for the movie? I'm tentatively okay, excited. Okay, good. Okay, fair. Um, and I think... You know, obviously DC Universe Online's on Twitter. I think it's just DCUO. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So you use Twitter, Twitter a lot, huh? Very. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we're on. We're on all the other stuff, but I use Twitter, so that's what's important. Yeah, to exactly. Me. <laughs> well, cool. I'm excited to play some games with you now. Talk about this a little Yay. bit. You know what I mean? Get the inside dirt. What's happening? Yeah, because like, there's things you don't know that you need to know. Okay, so good. You can play again. If you want to find out everything mm -hmm. I need to know when I bring out either my Greg Miller Green Lantern on Switch, that's really low level, <laughs> or Taylor Swift, who's now a Green Lantern, everybody. When I came back last month, I made her into a Green Lantern. Big deal here. It's like 900 hours of game time in it with her. No wow. big deal. I mean, it makes sense. She's got a lot of willpower. Exactly. So, Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.